Welcome to... Hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Cracked Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. On today's show, we continue our pre-tournament coverage of the 2024 Australian Open. I can finally say it. The year's first major is less than 24 hours away. I know I speak for all of us as tennis fans when I say we are excited and ready to have Grand Slam tennis back in our lives. Of course, before the action in Melbourne can begin, though, we still have one last item to check off of our agenda. That, of course, is to offer all of you listeners a preview of the men's singles draw. Now, if you missed out on our women's singles preview, all you got to do is scroll down in your Great Shot podcast feed. You can hear my thoughts on all four quarters of the draw. I break down each of the seeds in each section, talk about the best first round matchups, the seeds on upset alert, the dark horses offer my predictions, and so much more. Again, if you are looking for that women's singles draw preview, all you got to do is scroll down on your Great Shot podcast feed. If you're looking for my top 10 contenders entering the event, you the event, excuse me, you got to head on over to our mini break podcast feed. By the way, just a quick reminder for all of you listeners, if you're looking for daily recaps of all the action at the Australian Open, you can subscribe to that mini break podcast feed. We'll have shows for you each and every day as it all unfolds in Melbourne. Of course, here on this podcast feed, I'm going to offer my previews starting after day number one. Day one, you got the draw previews. I touch on everything. I know I mentioned some of those matches on day two, but I want to provide you two podcasts a day. So again, we'll have draw previews each and every day, or at least my favorite matches of the day discussion on them here on the Great Shot podcast feed throughout the two weeks in Melbourne. Recap Caps Every Day, available on the Mini Break podcast feed. A thank you in advance to Daniel Westoff for his tireless work because some of those Mini Break podcast episodes, again, now going to be available on video on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel. So make sure you subscribe. You can see my smiling face. You can see our recently renovated Crack Rackets studio and so much more. Again, be sure to check out the Mini Break podcast in video form on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel. And of course, be on the lookout for daily recaps throughout the course of the Australian Open over there. Of course, before we get to that, we got to talk about this men's singles draw at the 2024 Australian Open. Again, much like I did with the women, I want to run you through all four of the quarters, talk about the seeds, excuse me, in each section break down the best first round matches, talk about the matches for the nerds we have in round number one as well. Those that may not be on the highlight courts, but dare I say listeners of this podcast will recognize some of the names and thus will be curious to hear who their opponents are on days number one and two. Of course, then we'll get to the dark horses, the seats in jeopardy. I'll offer my predictions for each quarter. I will say, as I started off with the women's talking about the balance in the two halves of the draw, I think the two halves are pretty balanced. According to my estimations, I have both the toughest and fourth toughest of the fourth quarters in the top half of the draw. I have the center quarter as the toughest. I'll explain why throughout the course of today's show. I have the Djokovic quarter as the easiest. And again, I'll talk about that in the moment. I have the Medvedev quarter as number two, the Alcaraz quarter as the third toughest on the list. And again, it's one of those situations, much like on the women's side, where at least from a headline perspective, the top four players are all dispersed accordingly. 
Alcaraz, Djokovic, Sinner, Medvedev, not in that order necessarily, but that's your clear-cut tier number one. Those are your clear-cut top four guys. At least that was the consensus between myself, Chris Otto, when we offered our top 10 power rankings on the men's side over on the Mini Break podcast feed. They're all dispersed accordingly, right? I think if you're anyone, maybe you're Carlos Alcaraz, a little bummed out in the sense that you got Sasha Zverev, who I think is the fifth best guy entering this event in your quarter of the draw. But that race for who's the fifth best guy, whether it's Zverev, whether it's the consistency of Rublev, three quarterfinals last year, you feel like he's going to hold seed. And Alex Demonauer, maybe given he beat Djokovic at United Cup, has the home crowd behind him. Again, that race for who's the fifth best player at any given moment on the ATP Tour, that was a wide open question through the duration of last season. There were moments where Holger Runa had it, certainly Kasper Ruud at the French Open always belongs in that conversation. And I think he looks pretty good entering this event. Again, all those guys are dispersed fairly evenly. I think the center quarter, again, the most loaded of the bunch, but no one can say, oh, my draw got, you know, I have the stacked draw against me. I don't think there's anyone who can make a fair claim to that. If you're Sasha Zverev, you're bummed. You're not a top four seed, but that's results oriented, of course. Like, become a top four seed. Life, in theory, could become easier for you. You could avoid at least having to face two of Sinner, Medvedev, Alcaraz, and Djokovic in theory before reaching the semifinal round. Anyways, that's my thoughts more broadly on the draw. A lot of good first-round matches, a lot of seeds on upset alert, a lot of fun projecting to do. So let's get into each of the quarters, and let's start in the Novak Djokovic uh, section of the draw. Again, I think this is the easiest quarter, and yeah, there are certainly some there's some potential, excuse me, for Novak Djokovic to face a hiccup or two along the way as he progresses towards week number two in an 11th, yes, 11th Australian Open title. Obviously, when you're in an era with Nadal's degree of dominance at Roland Garros, winning 10 major titles at a single event might be overshadowed, but that's the only reason we don't talk about it more frequently. That is a degree of dominance, the likes of which, again, we've only seen out of Rafa at Roland Garros. No one else can match 10 slam titles in singles at a single event. So Djokovic, even if he wasn't Novak Djokovic, would be the prohibitive favorite, uh, not the prohibitive favorite, but the favorite amongst favorites, clearly, despite the losses to Sinner to end the year, despite the loss to Demon Hour, despite maybe a few concerns about his wrist. He's earned that benefit of the doubt. He is the favorite as we enter this event. And again, you look at the seeds in his section. I think he's got to be feeling pretty good about how things broke. To have Stefano Tsitsipas as your fellow top eight seed. Yes, Tsitsipas was the finalist at this event last year, but what have you done for me lately, Stefano Tsitsipas? Obviously, a lot of struggles defining his post-Acapulco 2023 season, a year where he regressed in terms of the return of serve and in the year at 19.3%. That was his lowest since the 2017 season where he played his first 14 tour level matches, four and 10 overall. His serve continues to improve. And I've said this before, I'll say it again. His serve is plus one forehand. They're about as sure of a plus one combination as we have on the ATP tour. But again, one and one in United Cup, a win over Steve Diaz means nothing. Four and four, pretty straightforward loss to Zverev. Tsitsipas should beat who he should beat. I mean, again, it's three out of five sets. He typically comes into the season pretty fresh, pretty physically fit. Obviously, he's had a lot of success over uh, in Australia over the years. Multiple semifinals are better, but 
What have you done for me lately? Not much. Like, I don't think he would be in the conversation for fifth best guy in the world right now. And this is a guy who once upon a time, it felt like a sure thing. He would end up with a major or at least make another major final pretty quickly after he made his first at the French Open in 2021. Anyways, all of them was it 2022. I'm pretty sure it was 2021. Anyways, all of that is to say, Tsitsipas is the number seven, uh, seven seed. Taylor Fritz is the 12 seed. Djokovic dispatched with Fritz. Very straightforward straight sets in the U.S. Open quarterfinals not that long ago. Also, Taylor Fritz during the United Cup openly said, I am playing my way into shape this season, coming off of a few injuries he was dealing with in the offseason. Not a great position to be when you don't want to have to be playing yourself into shape when you're in Novak Djokovic's section of the draw. Still, okay, Fritz, if you want to put him in your top 10, I won't knock you. I don't have him there. He's the 12 seed. Ben Shelton, obviously, the fascinating potential fourth-round matchup for Djokovic. Semi-final, then a weird loss to Taro Daniel, but he's serving well to start the season, and he's caught lightning in the bottom of the last two hard-court slams. Why not make it a third? Adrian Manorino's been excellent. Never going to threaten a top tier, but he's the 20 seed. Sarundalo, a poor start to his year. He's the 22. Musetti, 25 seed. We're on hard courts, not clay. Thomas Martin Echeverry, same thing. The number 30 seed. So again, in terms of the seeds in this section, if you're Novak Djokovic, I think you're feeling pretty happy. You didn't get another top five guy. I would argue you don't have another clear-cut top eight contender on the list either. No Rude, no Runa. No Rublev, so you avoided the ruse. Like, you got Tsitsipas. Of all the matchups you could have gotten, I think that's the one that's most ideal. You know, Ben's going to Ben. If he serves hot on the right day, yeah, he can make that match tight. And obviously, there's a little history between the two now. But Djokovic is feeling pretty good about the seeds in the section. Again, by that, I would say it's the fourth toughest of the four quarters. So the easiest, dare I say, of the sections in the draw. That doesn't mean we don't have good first-round matchups. And looking across the board... I think we'll get a pretty good litmus test for Stefano Tsitsipas' level right away as he's going to take on Matteo Berrettini. Now, when we last saw Berrettini, he had to retire due to injury against Rinder Kanesh at the U.S. Open. We saw him play just 24 matches last year, 12-12 and 12 overall. And yet, you want to go back to, what, the 2020 two season when in Australia he made the semifinals and beat Alcaraz, Carreño Busta, and Monfi on his way to getting a set off of Nadal in that semifinal. Like, if he's healthy, we know what Matteo Berrettini can be, and he's got the sort of weapons, the sort of first serve that can exploit the exact weakness you need to exploit in Tsitsipas, that backhand return and putting him under pressure on that wing on a quicker surface. How healthy is Berrettini? I don't know. How well will he execute? I don't know, because Tsitsipas is going to put him under some serious pressure as well. It's a great litmus test for Pass right away. That's obviously, I would say, the most intriguing first round in this section, but a couple of other good ones as well. Djokovic taking on rising star, last year's Junior French Open champion, Dino Prismic. Longtime listeners of Crack Rackets podcast know I'm very high on the young Croatian. I think he's got some Diet Alcaraz in him. Coke is the Diet Coke, is Alcaraz is the Prismic, is what I'm trying to say. He's not going to win the match, but he's going to catch your attention on a few points. So that's a fun one to keep an eye on. Shelton versus RBA. Now, if this was three years ago versus the uh, RBA versus the current version of Shelton, this one's far more fascinating. Still, RBA is going to ask questions of Ben. Good litmus test early for the young American. Echeverry versus Murray. I mean, again, it's a brutal draw for Murray. Echeverry round one. He wins that. He faces the winner of Hanfman Monfi round two to 
dangerous opponents. Obviously, after that, it's probably a date with Djokovic. So unfortunately, doesn't feel like week two is in the cards for Andy Murray. That said, can he beat Tomas Martin Echeverri, who's taken a bunch of tight losses on hard court, still looking for that first signature victory? Can absolutely beat him. Echeverri can match the Murray physicality. That's an issue for Andy in this one. Echeverri's serve forehand probably as big from a power standpoint as any weapon Murray brings to the table. But that one's going to be really fun, really physical. And by the way, Monfi Hoffman, Hoffman, the perfect sort of power player to amplify the funness, uh, the, dare I say the, now the funness, we'll just go with that word, uh, that Monfi can bring to the court, the degree of fun he can generate when things are impromptu and improvisational. Hoffman loves the drop shot as well. That brings out the best in Mofi. So that's a really entertaining first round match. And then you've got Manorino versus Wawrinka as well. You know exactly what you're going to get out of Adrian Manorino. He's played top 25 tennis pretty clearly over the last six months. What are we going to get out of the standable? It's an open question. Still a fun first round match. And there are some other fun ones for the nerds in this section. Jordan Thompson coming off of a big week one. He's taken on fellow Aussie Alex Vukic, one of last year's breakthrough players. Howie Munar taking on Alexander Shevchenko. Shevchenko is just a competitor. He can not only beat Munar in what will always be a grind, but he could beat Manorino in round two. He could beat Shelton in round three as well, prevent the Shelton-Jokovic rematch I know we all want. That one's for the nerds, and it's also, again, a great showing. If Shevchenko makes a big move here, it should surprise no one. And if he gets through that Munar match comfortably, look out. Rest of the draw. Goyo versus Carbeas Baena. Again, Borna Goyo, top 100 breakthrough last year. Winnable match against Carbeas Baena, who had a good week last week. Chilich is back. He's taking on the talented Fabian Marazan. Marazan is more than just that one win over Elkaraz on clay. The guy is solid off of both wings still. Chilich had seven match points against Struff in Hong Kong. It'll be fun to see the former Australian Open finalist level right out of the gates. In terms of the dark horses in this section, I mean, do you want to put Chilich on that list? I guess you can. I think Fabian Marazan probably the more proper dark horse because whomever wins that first round match probably going to play 22 seeded Francisco Sarundolo and just Sarundolo of late losses to Korda in Shanghai, Schwartzman in Tokyo, Sanego in Vienna, wins over Rudin Monfi in pairs before loss to Hercots, but then RBA in Hong Kong, a one in one loss to Alex Muller in Auckland last week. That ain't great form. Like, clearly has to be on upset alert early, and I think the winner of Marazan Chilich has a big opportunity there in round two before potentially facing Fritz in round three. I mentioned Shevchenko already. I mean, semifinals in Astana. Really fun round of 16, three-cent match with Runa in Brisbane. Made the final in Mets at the end of year as well. Quarterfinals in Basel with a win over Fritz. Guy's the real deal. Can beat Manorino. Could beat Shelton. Like could absolutely make round number four. Maybe the darkest of the dark horses in this section. Again, for guys like Murray, Hanfman, Monfi, how big of a dark horse can you be when you've got to face Djokovic in round three? Like, yeah, they could all beat Echeverry and outdo their seed, but beyond that, I don't know. Luca Van Asha, maybe, just if things get funky between Berrettini and Tsitsipas. And again, the Frenchman can absolutely beat a Lorenzo Musetti in round number two. And that kind of talks about the seeds in jeopardy. Look, you never know what you're going to get, right? Out of Lorenzo Musetti on a hard court to start his season. A loss to Pavel Kotov after beating Coleman Wong. Loses to Bublik in three. Had a match point in that match after a win over a banged up Jordan Thompson. 
Musetti should get through that section. I don't think Vanasha has a massive weapon to hurt him with, but the Vanasha backhand down the line will give his forehand troubles. Vanasha will be patient, match his physicality. You just have general uncertainty on hard court still as it comes to the Italian. So I think he has to be on this list. Echeverry again, brutal draw. Murray and then the winner of Monfi Hanfman. No thank you. Sarundolo, same thing. General uncertainty. Shelton, just because you have Manorino and Shevchenko in your draw, that's a tough third round to try and even face Djokovic in round four. So no guarantee there. And then I already talked about the Tsitsipas uncertainty. I think that has to apply to not only his round one against Berrettini, but just more broadly, how fit is he? How healthy is he? It's an open question as we enter the action in Melbourne. As for the predictions in this section, pretty chalk. Djokovic is going to get through. He's going to win the round of 16 over. I'm going to take Shelton for now, but I really wanted to take Shevchenko. I think Fritz gets through just by virtue of it's a really rough bottom half of this quarter, bottom eighth, dare I say. Like, do you take Fritz over Tsitsipas? I think you have to by default. I'm not going to take him over Musetti. At that point, though, if Tsitsipas is healthy, doesn't he have to beat Doesn't he beat Fritz if Fritz is playing his way into shape? I'll take Fritz over Tsitsipas, Djokovic over Sheldon. Again, holding seed. Very bold predictions here. It's the first major of the year. Give me some slack, folks. I'll take Djokovic over Fritz in the quarters. Again, Djokovic is getting through. I don't know what the pathway will be, but I think of the way things could have shook out, things went pretty well for the reigning Australian Open defending champion as well. In the center quarter, we have our most fascinating quarter of the draw. I think this is unequivocally the toughest, and you can tell that just by looking at the seats. Sinner dealt fifth seed Andre Rublev, obviously a guy who made three quarterfinals last year at the majors, and uh, including two, I believe, on hard courts. You've got Alex Diemenauer. Beat Novak Djokovic during United Cup playing on home soil. Round of 16 loss last year. I forget if it was Djokovic or Medvedev who beat him, but those were his two losses. I think it was Djokovic in Australia. Uh, those were his two hardcore losses at the majors last year. No shame in those round of 16 defeats and was top five in hardcore wins. Again, right off the bat, Rublev, Demonauer are two of my top six, seven contenders entering this event. Sinners dealt... You know, you have three top seven players in one quarter of the draw. It speaks to how tough it is. You also have guys who've made semifinals on hard courts recently at majors. You've got Francis Tiafo. Now that was at the 2022 U.S. Open, but still, he has done it of late. We'll enter this event with plenty of confidence. Karen Hatchinov, when he was healthy last year, he was a top eight player in the world and obviously had a run of semifinals 2022 U.S. Open, semifinals 2023 Australian Open, quarterfinals 2023 Roland Garros, was playing elite tennis before getting injured, wins his first title uh, in five years at the end of last season, getting that hump off his back. Now, again, didn't look phenomenal in an early round exit in Hong Kong against Emil Rusevori, but a three-set loss against the guy who makes the finals is nothing to bat your eyes at when it's your first match of the season. You give him the benefit of the doubt, just given he's had a Lisa Mertens-like consistency holding seed at, seed at slams throughout his career. That's your top five in this section. Then you've got a massive wild card in 18th-seeded Nicolas Yari, one of the top five servers we have on tour on a day when his serve, his forehand are hot. You're just not going to get a lot of rhythm. So he's in this section as well. Sebi Korda, quarterfinalist at this event last year, beat Medvedev at this event last year, beat Hercots at this event last year, looked awful in a loss uh, this week in Auckland or wherever. I think he was playing in Auckland or Adelaide. Maybe he was playing in Adelaide. He looked very, very poor uh, in his loss in the semifinals yesterday. But 
again, Lachetschka played well, and does that matter heading into this major, given we know what his best looks like? And again, Quarter's made the semifinals of, I think, four of his last seven events or five of his last nine, something like that. Like, he is playing better. He is healthy. We'll see how he looks going into this. But you can make a case for seven, you know, seven guys here if they end up in a quarterfinal. It just meant they got hot at the right time because their peak levels have all shown as much. This is the toughest quarter. You got to love the seats in this section. You got to love some of the first round matches we have as well. And I do think this is a section that gets better as it ages. But Tiafo versus Chorich. How good is Borna Chorch? He looked really good in a straight set loss to Kasper Ruud, was playing top 30 level tennis, got a win over Talon Griekspor in straight sets at United Cup. Griekspor was an unequivocal top 25 guy last year. That's a real test for both players. And again, if Chorch can get through Tiafo, the draw opens up for him. A potential third round with Karen Hatchinov, a guy from his generation. Why can't Chorich go out and win that match? Obviously, a guy you got to have on your dark horse list. And certainly we'll know a lot about his level, about Francis's level after that match. Francis a 50.3% favorite, according to Tennis Abstract. I think Demonauer is going to cruise first Melos Rayonich, but hey, what if Rayonich hits the serve well, hits the forehand well? That match certainly becomes a little bit more interesting. Again, we haven't seen a ton of tennis out of Milos. We have from the Demon. You'd expect him to get through, but that's a fun one. If we get the Daniel Altmaier who beat Felix in round one last week, that Altmaier can give Hatchinov a real run. Hatchinov's just got a tough draw. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. If he gets through Altmaier, Alejandro Tabilo, who as of this recording, is playing in the finals of, uh, I think, one of, I think, Auckland. I think he's in the Auckland final taking on Taro Daniel today. Uh, Jack Draper is playing someone else in the Adelaide final who, for some reason, I just have blocked out of my head. But shout out to that player. You made an Adelaide final this week. You're doing a great job to start your 2020 uh, 2024 season. Yuri Lachetschka, duh, I know that name. Um, anyways, Hatchinov versus Altmaier. Hatchinov should overwhelm Altmaier with just the physicality, the pace of things he does over time. But Altmaier's a beautiful ball striker, so that's a fun one. J.J. Wolf, fourth round of this event last year. He takes on 26th-seeded Sebi Baez. Now, Baez did win his first hardcourt title last season, but still has a lot to prove on hardcourts. Wolf serve his forehand will be the biggest weapons in this match, even though Baez will play big with his forehand when given the opportunity and certainly have the chance to move Wolf in and out of the outer thirds around the court. Last but not least, Yannick Sinner versus Botik van de Sinschkoop. It's not a cupcake for Yannick to kick off his season. Botic will make him work. Obviously, Botic can do a lot of things, but the pace of Sinner, you ultimately expect to overwhelm the guy. Uh, Botic van de Sinschkoop still worthwhile top four guy. Interesting opening round match. For the nerds in this section, I got three for you. Taro Daniel, again, finalist this week in Auckland. He's taken on Chris Eubanks. Eubanks unseated a big opportunity here, obviously, before the Miami quarterfinal points coming up, but he's top 50 guy right now, has nothing really to defend at the tour level these next two months. And again, we're on hard courts here in Australia. He can go play indoor hard courts in Europe after this would be well-positioned to do so if he can get a win over Taro Daniel here. Ensure he's a top 35, top 40 guy going into this stretch of the calendar. Uh, but again, Taro Daniel playing some good ball, approaching a new career high in the rankings as well. In fact, might be there after reaching the final, 30 years old. That's a fun one for the nerds. Two fan favorites, by the way, as well. Kovacevic versus Tabilo, two guys who've had a lot of ch- challenger success of late. Tabilo, again, in the final this week in Auckland. Kovacevic looking to consolidate or at least make his top 100 debut here in Australia. And then 
Again, Thomas Mychek, a guy who's had a lot of challenger success taking on a former top junior in the world, and Shintaro Machizuki, who was a lucky loser into this event. Those are for the nerds as we look at the center quarter of the draws. We look at the dark horses, a lot of names I already mentioned. Borna Chorich, again, if he can get through Tiafo first, things really open up for him because you beat a seed right away. Alejandro Tabilo, the lefty, just has real weapons, made a final this week. He's serving confidently, playing big. Why couldn't he beat a Hachinov who, again, looked fine in match number one, but under the, the pressure of some serious weapons, sometimes his consistency does break down, and Tabilo would certainly be able to swing freely. Uh, my check, why maybe give Tiafo a run in round two or Chorich. Altmaier already made the case for against Hatchinov. Wolf, if he can beat Baez, then things open up for him to make round number three with a potential matchup against Sinner there. Rionich, out of respect. The last three are interesting. Chris Eubanks, if he can get through round number one, would have a potential date with Andre Rublev. But hey, man, if he can serve hot, we saw him make the quarterfinals of Wimbledon. So can't completely write him off. Ditto for Lloyd Harris. Like, I think the qualifier should be favored, and he is, according to Tennis Abstract, in his first-round match against Quinton Halis. He's big serves, big weapons, fluid athlete at 6'5", 6'6". You know, sometimes Corda just has those off days, and Harris will certainly have the sort of weapons to make Corda uncomfortable. So there's a world where the qualifier reaches round three, maybe even knocks off a Rublev in round number four. We've certainly seen him in the second week of a hardcore major before. Last but not least, you guys know I'm buying the stock of Matteo Arnaldi. Young Italian is just a tough freaking out physically. Not a lot of weaknesses in his game. Him versus Demon Hour as a potential round two would just be a track meet, and there is a world where he gets through that. He had a match point on Nicholas Yari despite not being able to convert earlier. Not, maybe not match point, but I believe he was up a set and a break. That would be the next seed he'd have to face. He can absolutely make a round four run. I'm that high on the young Italian's level already. And, you know, again, with those dark horses in mind, who are the seeds in their way? Andre Rublev, I mentioned. His section, Eubanks, Korda, Harris. Guys with big weapons who could prevent him from getting to week number two. Korda in general, obviously the Lloyd Harris round two matchup lingers, but you just have questions. Which Sebi Korda are we getting this week? Uh, you're never quite certain entering event. Obviously, we know how high the high can be, but sometimes the lows can be pretty low as well. Nicholas Yari's on this list just because Pavel Kotov round two. There's a world that prevents Yari from holding seed. Getting to round three. Demon Hours draws not easy. Like, again, Rayanich, the big weapons right away. Arnaldi, round two. Maybe then you get another big weapon guy, forehand serve bot of Yari, round three. And, you know, again, you don't want to see another match like that. Have to do that twice in your first three matches. That's no fun. Hatchnov with Altmaier, Tiafo in his section. He could lose as early as the third round. Baez, obviously. J.J. Wolf, round one. His form on hard courts in general. He has to be considered a seed in jeopardy. So six of the eight seeds I have as seeds in jeopardy in this section speaks to, again, uh, dare I say, how tough this quarter of the draw is. But in terms of my predictions uh, for this center quarter, again, I'm still sticking pretty chalk. I'm going to take center to reach the quarterfinals. I'm going to go Tiafo over Hatchinov. That'll be my pick. I almost took Chorich, almost took Tabilo, to be honest, but I'm going to go Tiafo over Hatchinov. Tiafo gets the better of him this time around after Hatchinov got him, I believe, last year. I'm going to take the demon over Rublev. I mean, you guys know I'm drinking all the Rublev Kool-Aid. 
uh, Demon Kool-Aid, excuse me. I think Rublev gets through the big servers. I think Demon gets through the Arnaldi track meet, the big servers in Rayonich Yari as well. And I just think this is the one where he makes that first quarterfinal appearance here in Melbourne. It's happening at some point. Why not this year? I'll take Demon in a tight match over Rublev, and then I'll take Sinner in an even tighter one over Demon in the quarterfinals to advance to the semifinals here in Melbourne. On to the bottom half of the draw. And first, we approach what I have as the second toughest quarter, the Daniil Medvedev section of the draw. You look, obviously, the number three seed, the top seed in his section. But again, you got some other top eight, top 10 sort of contenders in this section as well. Now, from a seed perspective, Hogaruna, the eight seed, Hubi Hurkacz, the nine seed, uh, both the toughest tests from that perspective. Hurkacz looked pretty darn good in United Cup. Maybe should have, certainly could have beaten Zverev in three sets. Tight three set loss to Davidovich Fokina, I believe, as well, but held serve very consistently and has been a top five server now for two, three consecutive years. Holger makes a final in week number one, but the guy he beats in this section, that to me is the toughest test for Daniil Medvedev as Grigor Dimitrov beat Medvedev down the home stretch of last season, has played top eight tennis very clearly for six months now consecutively. And again, just has the patience, the physicality to go the distance with a Daniil Medvedev in a moment like this. It's a tough section of the draw. Those three right there, Runa, round of 16 in Australia last year, but he looked really good in week number one. I've said this a million times now on Crack Rackets podcast. It was like two forehands away from forcing a third set against Dimitrov in that Brisbane final. Hubi's been balling. Ugo Umber, if the lefty's healthy. We know the big servers played really good tennis over the last six months. What Alejandro Davidovich Fokina are we going to get? That's a great question. But we always know how in a single match upside what his can be. I think he beat Djokovic, right? Many years ago in Monte Carlo. FAA, which Felix are we going to get? Always an open question. And then Talon Greek scored multiple titles last season. Quietly just played top 25 ball all season long. He's the 28th seed. There's a lot of depth everywhere. A few question marks, certainly, but you can make a claim for each of these guys as seeds making the round of 16 in this Daniil Medvedev section. And look, the great matches start right away. I haven't mentioned this guy as he's unseated, but Roman Safiulin, a guy I think is pretty clearly playing top 25 tennis right now, beat Zverev down the home stretch of last year, beat Ben Shelton to start this season. Safiulin's going to take on Griekspor, round number one. It's an excellent prove-it match for both guys as they enter their mid-20s. I'm fascinated. That might be my favorite round one of all of the round one matches we have. Again, two be- uh, fantastic ball strikers from the baseline. Keep your eye on that match. Greek Spur versus Safulin, a first rounder. Then, obviously, the more mainstream round one match in this section. FAA taking on Dominic Team. They're both going to hit the cover off the ball. How consistent is that match? How high is the level and their ability to sustain that level throughout the course of it? An open question on both sides, but again, obviously a big opportunity for both to get their season started in the right way. Runa versus Nishioka. Respect the physicality, though Runa should roll. Shapovala versus Menchik. If you have not watched 18-year-old Jakob Menchik, guy's got top 25 weapons. I want to see him pushed against top 25 weapons. And certainly the best version of Shapovalov is that. But Shapovalov looked real shaky in his first match against Sebastian Ofner. Look, Menchik made round three of last year's U.S. Open. Can absolutely win a match here over Denis Shapovalov. That's a fascinating round one matchup. Dimitrov versus Fucevic. You just never know with Fucevic at a slam. Ofner versus Kokonakis. Kokonakis is always special to watch when he competes in Australia. Those are my favorite first round matchups. And then for the nerds, Arthur Fee's just always on the list. I think the 19-year-old's 
must-watch. I think he's a future top-eight guy. He takes on big server Yuri Vesely, who I've always had a soft spot for the big lefty. Ugo Umber taking on David Goffin. That should be fun. And then Patrick Kipson, USTA wildcard, recipient, former Texas A&M All-American. He's taken on Emil Rusevori, Hong Kong finalist, to start his season. Those are the first-round matchups for the nerds. In terms of the dark horses in this section, again, some really good seats in this section. So it's going to be tough for a breakthrough. you got to start with Roman Sefulin. If he can beat Greek Spore, obviously things open up for him right away. Now, you know, if he beats Greek Spore, there's a potential round two match with the Arthur Fee, Yuri Vesely winner. So right there, the winner of that little quartet, whether it's Fee, Sefulin, or or Greek Spore, maybe even Vesely at that point, but really Fee, Sefulin, Greek Spore are all playing a high enough level to beat Holger Runa and make round number four and outdo their seed. Now, I probably lean Runa in those scenarios. He made a final when the others didn't. Fee losing a tough match again to Tabilo as well yesterday, although that one was very, very competitive. It's only a matter of time for Arthur Fee. And again, we saw Roman Sefulin make quarterfinals at Wimbledon. I think he's an even better hardcourt player. I think those are guys that, you know, Fee, Sefulin, the two you circle most, but Greek sport in general. It is not an easy 16th of the draw for eighth-seeded Holgaruna, even though he comes in playing a very high level to uh, entering this event. I think the Sebastian Ofner to Nassi Kokonakis winner. Ofner's played so well of late. Kokonakis again in Australia. You always got to give him a run. That'll be a fun match if they likely face Grigor Dimitrov, the number 13 seed in round number two. You know, beyond that, Menchik Shapovalov winner. Both have a weapons to give Hubi Hercots a run, and it's Hubi Hercots at a slam. Funky things seem to always happen to the ninth seed from Poland. Jung Zhen can play lights out physically again. He's stocky. He just has real weapons. If Umber is banged up or Gofen beats him, Jung Zhen gets to round number three. Then he has weapons to perhaps hurt Hercots with as well. Rusevori would draw Medvedev in round two, but you guys know I'm always a believer in the power tennis capable of the Finnish player. And then sure, Dominic team just out of respect. I'll throw him on this list, but I mean, again, who are the seeds in jeopardy? Holger Runa probably more than anyone just because he got the toughest little 16th of the draw. Fee, Sefulin, Greek Spore all in your section. That's no fun for Greek Spore to get Sefulin round one, maybe Fee round two. That is a brutal uh, draw just to try and hold seed. Hercots, you got all the general Hubi Hercots things involving him at the majors. Um, other than that, though, you'd be pretty confident if he had a better back, uh, if he had a better track record. Umber, just because you got health concerns, Gofen round one, Zheng Zhen round two, Davidovich Fokina FAA again, just more broadly inconsistency issues. But in terms of predictions, God, I went chalk in a lot of places. I didn't realize that as I was writing them out. So. Shout out to Ignorance is Bliss. I have Hercots, the number nine seed, getting through to the quarterfinals. Again, I just need to see Menchik more against Elite Weaponry. He absolutely could win that match, but I need to see it before I believe it. Um, Bear with his health concerns. I just think if if Hercots can get through round number three, then he can start rolling. And again, just given how tough that Runa section is, whether it's Fee, Sefulin, Griegsport, whomever, he is going to get a real push in round number three. I'll take Hubi to pull off the Grigor game plan against Runa and just outserve his way to the quarterfinals. I'm going to take Medvedev over Dimitrov. Again, those are two of my top six guys entering this Australian Open I don't care what their sections of the draw are, and I think for both it's actually pretty ideal. Uh, I think Medvedev, Dimitrov both through to the round of 16, and then I'm going to take Medvedev over Hercots to advance to the semifinals again. 
lot of chalk across the board. I think there's more chalk approaching as well as we get into the final quarter. That, of course, is the Carlos Alcaraz quarter. And look, I have this as the third toughest of the four quarters. You look at the seeds in this section. Certainly, Sasha Zero's presence alone makes it not the easiest quarter for Carlos Alcaraz. Vera beat Sinner at the U.S. Open. Maybe not the most prominent Australian Open success in his career. But again, the clock is ticking. And if you watch the Breakpoint episode, no one seems to be more aware of that fact than Sasha Vera. You also have a Casper Ruud who looked reinvigorated, just looked really good in an undefeated stretch for himself, uh, for Team Norway in United Cup. Now, again, how much do you want to read into the first week of the season? I always say I like to overreact to the extremes, the bests and the worst, and I thought Rude was one of the best I saw from level difference start of 2024 to end of 2023, and he's two-time slam finalist. That has to matter. He's in this section. Tommy Paul, semifinalist last year. Yes, he lost a tough match to Jack Draper, who, by the way, is also in this section of the draw, but Tommy's in this section. You've got Nori, Struff, Bublik, Lechechka, quarterfinalist, of course, last year here as well. Bublik also looked really good this past week in, uh, in Adelaide. He just looked locked in. Like he was moving well and he played fit tennis, like was fit throughout the course of it. Didn't bail out of things unnecessarily. Still played with funkiness, but he wasn't bailing out because he wasn't fit enough to go the distance. Keep an eye on Boop. Like he's a little bit of a dark horse, even though he's a seed still. Those are your seeds in this section. In terms of the best first round matches, I mean, again, I think I had to do a little gymnastics for this. Vera versus Kopfer, Battle of the Germans. Lefty, no, again, Lefty Kopfer knows Vera's game well. And talk about a great story. Former Tulane number one has worked his way back into the top 80 of the ATP rankings, had went to the challenger route to do it. And again, he's just playing a really high level of late. Some challenger success for him to start the season. Jack Draper coming off of however he performs in the final today in Adelaide, taking on Marcos Giron. Giron's been a top 60 guy, has improved his rankings and continually elevated himself within the top 80 each of the past three seasons. It's a tough out, especially in a three out of five set format, especially coming off of a title or final run, whatever it is for Draper the prior week. That will be a fun physical match. Mackey versus Jerry Shung, two people who strike the ball beautifully. If you haven't watched the 18-year-old Jerry Shung play yet, take this opportunity to do so coming off of that semifinal obviously in Hong Kong his first at the tour level to start the season Alcaraz has Gasquet he should roll but you know again out of respect for Gasquet you throw him on this list and then respect for two veterans Dan Evans Lorenzo Sinego they go head-to-head in round number one for the nerds in this section Alex Mickelson, it's always fun to watch Bambi play. Strikes the ball so beautifully, even if the movement is just nowhere near it needs to be. But that's a very winnable match against McCabe as he looks to consolidate his top 100 spot. Jan Leonard Struff taking on a guy who made his top 100 debut last year, coming off of a fourth run at the U.S. Open. Why can't Ricky Hijikata make a little noise against Struff? And then Kesmanovic versus Watanuki. It's a make-or-break year for Kesmanovic. Yasuki Watanuki had a lot of challenger success last year. He is a top... 70, 80 guy. Kasmanovic should win, but this is the match that often sees him stumble. So I think that's one to watch. And by the way, the winner of that will have a big opportunity. I think they have to be included on the dark horse list as you look in this section of the draw. Winner of Kasmanovic Watanuki will play the winner of Hijikata Struff. We just haven't seen a ton of Struff given his injuries of late. And again, both of those guys 
have the physicality, the weaponry to withstand all things Jan Leonard Struve. In Kazmanovic's case, maybe it's just his ability to hold the baseline on the return of serve, take some time away from Struve right off the bat. They get through that Struve match. You play the winner of either Tommy Paul or Jack Draper or Marcos Giron, but likely Tommy Paul or Jack Draper. And by the way, this is the most fascinating section because obviously Jack Draper just beat Tommy Paul one and four and they will have played the week prior. It's really tough to beat someone twice in the span of 10 days. That's what Jack Draper will have to do against a top 20 player in the world. But I think Jack Draper is already one of the 20 best players in the world. He has to be included on this dark horse list, a guy who not only could beat Tommy in round two, he get to round four and give Alcaraz a real run for his money there, depending on how fresh he is. So Draper has to be on this list. The last pairing I would point to, the Mackie-Jerry Shung winner, the winner of that would likely face Sasha Bublik in round two. You just never know what you're going to get out of Sasha Bublik. And Jerry Shung looked so good in Hong Kong. Just seems to have taken a leap physically. Mackey, you know what Mackey can be. Top 15 returner amongst top 50 players on the ATP Tour last season. Gets even better when that's filtered to hard court specifically. Winner of that one has a real shot to, again, advance past their seed. Get to round number three of this event. Take a swing at Carlos Alcaraz. But in terms of the seeds in jeopardy, again, Tommy's got to be on this list with the Draper potential rematch lingering in round two. Struff with his draw, general uncertainty surrounding him, and then Sasha Bublik in general because he's Sasha Bublik. Outside of that... I hate to say it, I went chalk again. That's right. I didn't even know I did this. I took Zverev over Rude. If you want to flop that, that's fine with me. I'm going to just give Zverev the slight edge on the hard courts. I'll take Alcaraz. I took him over Tommy just on the theory that it's going to be really difficult for Draper to beat Tommy Paul twice in the span of 10 days, but... If you want to put Draper there, a younger me probably would have done that to be bold. It's the first slam of the year. You got to cut me some slack. I'm going chalk as it relates to getting to the semifinals. Give me Alcaraz over Zverev as well to advance there. I almost took Zverev for what it's worth, but ultimately sticking with Alcaraz. And that sets up my semifinals, my finals, much like on the women's side. I think we have a clear-cut top four. I think that's how we see everything play out. I think it's going to be Djokovic versus Sinner, Medvedev versus Alcaraz. I'll take Joker to knock off Yannick. Just, again, that pathway for Sinner to get there a little bit tougher than Novak's. I think he'll be the fresher of the two, particularly if Sinner's coming off of a demon hour track meet sort of match. I'll take Medvedev over Alcaraz. I know the level Medvedev played in New York last year feels unsustainable, but this is going to be my bold pick. I'll take Daniil Medvedev to win the Australian Open. He has been... The, the leader in hardcourt victories over the last 52 weeks. He has played as high of a level as anyone, beat Djokovic in Dubai last year, despite, dare I say, getting the business handed to him in that final match between the two in New York. Again, it's an irrational pick because Djokovic is a 10-time Australian Open champion, a 23-time major champion, and this is him at his best major and he's at his freshest. And we haven't seen Medvedev play yet this season. I'm taking Medvedev. I needed to be bold somewhere. That's where I'm going to make a, a slight zag or maybe the biggest of zags. I That feels horrible coming out of my mouth. I think Djokovic is going to win the Australian Open. You know what? Let's not lie to you listeners. I'll take Djokovic to knock off Medvedev. I'll go straight to chalk. I think Medvedev comes much closer than he did in New York, but I'm going to stick with Novak. I just... He's a 10-time Australian Open champion. It didn't feel real coming out of my mouth, so I'm not going to leave it there for... Or I'll leave it there for you listeners. We'll have some truth to end today's show. That said... There's your men's draw, uh, singles draw preview as it relates to the year's first major, the 2024 Australian Open, now less than in 24 hours away. Again, 
Here's how our coverage is going to look. Previews available here on the Great Shot Podcast starting before day number two. We will have recaps each and every evening after play finishes over on the Mini Break Podcast feed. A shout out and thank you as always to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, who has a f- of an editing job to do day in, day out, making all of our content possible. A shout out as well to all of you listeners, as I've alluded to. It's been our biggest January in terms of a numbers perspective that we have ever had, and we appreciate all of you who continue to trust us to keep you the most well-informed, best-educated tennis fans in the business. With that said, for the fantastic super producer Daniel Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point, and all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. Hey, great shot, and we'll see you all for the start of the year's first major. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>